Take the Cheetos to the table. Nobody wants to hear your crunching. It's gonna die. How low? It's at 10%. Um, that's a dumb move. That's a real dumb move. Uh, okay. Anyways, are we ready? Yeah. Alright, then let's get started. Everybody, um, I'm glad to be back. I am doing better um, with my mental health currently, and I can't wait to share some spooky stories with you. This episode might be a little bit long, but it's Halloween, so yeah, it's a time for being spooky. Um, Jennifer's here with me. Hello. And. Um do 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 uh frick frickity frack. Um let's see what else. Uh listener support is turned on on anchor.fm slash let's get creepy podcast. Yeah. And I can be reached on Facebook, on the official Let's Get Creepy page. Uh, We have a Discord that I will link in the notes. What's it called? Description. Thank you. Um, And uh, stories can also be submitted on the Reddit Reddit uh, page. I can't remember what they're called, but it's r slash Let's Get Creepy Podcast, um, and also at Let's Get Creepy Podcast at yahoo.com. Yes. Okay. All right. Jumping into the first story. Let's get to it. Um. This story was posted on the R Paranormal Reddit and it was posted by Paranormal Nexus. I lived in a haunted house for six years. My terrifying story. It has taken me a long time to come to terms with what happened in my house in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I'm finally ready to share. To give a little background, my family, mom, dad, older brother, and I moved to Tennessee in 1995 from Mexico. We moved to a very old ranch-style home in Knox County and did not realize that this home would be the site of some of the most harrowing and terrifying experiences I have ever experienced. Because we experience experiences. I am convinced that many occurrences should have been suppressed in my mind, but I want to share with you the memories that I do remember. My hand is shaking as I type this out, as these experiences haunt me to this day and are not easy to talk about. 
The activity in the house first began with the usual paranormal stuff you hear about. Missing items, misplaced slash moved belongings, strange creaks and noises around the house. Nothing that couldn't be logically explained. It wasn't until we decided to add a room to the house, about four to five months in, that shit really began to hit the fan. I began to experience things a few times a week to almost every single night thereafter. To give some perspective as to the layout of the home, upon entering the living room is first. Boop, 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 I just lost my place. To the left, there is a small hallway leading to my parents' room. To the right of the living room is a very long and narrow hallway that leads to a guest room and then the room my brother and I shared for a short while. The hall ends with a bathroom and the entryway to the kitchen and extra room directly across from my brother and I's room. Essentially, my room was on the complete opposite end of the house from my parents' room. Anyways, now that the picture is set, I will describe several of my experiences. While my brother slept in the room, I would experience nightly terrors in which I would see someone standing at my doorway. It would never move, but the only way to describe it was a tall, shadowy figure with noticeably long, white, string-like hair. It would watch over me several times a week, and I would feel so terrified that all I would be able to do is cover my head with my blanket and pray that it would go away. I told my parents what I had seen after the first night, but they merely chalked it up to me having a nightmare. Typical. Eventually, it got to the point... Eventually, it got to a point where I began to sleep on my side with a blanket over my head with a small opening for me to look through. This continued for two years until my brother got his own room. That is when things really took a turn for the worst. I remember sleeping at night and seeing the same shadowy figure standing in the doorway. Feeling just as terrified as the previous time seeing it, I did the usual go-to and covered my face with my blanket, hoping upon uncovering myself it would be gone. This time was very different. Upon covering, upon uncovering my face, the same figure was standing in the room merely feet from my bed. I panicked and covered my head again, wondering if I was going mad. Upon uncovering my head once again, I saw that it was gone, and with a sigh of relief, I turned onto my back. This was not a good move. Upon turning onto my back, I saw the same figure was now floating over my bed on the ceiling. I was on the top bunk, so you can imagine how close it is now. The only way I can describe it is... This humanoid-like energy that looked like a mix of a gray alien with a very tall crypt keeper. You know, from that one show. Tales from the Crypt. He's talking about Tales from the Crypt. Um, the second I saw it, I covered my face once again and felt absolutely petrified with fear. Then, I felt the figure... Ugh. Lay on top of me. As I lay frozen on my back, I remember hearing it breathing and sounding like a quiet, almost asthmatic wheeze and how cold its breath felt. I remember the distinct earthly smell emanating from its mouth as it breathed inches from my face 
the only barrier being my blanket. It felt like hours passed, frozen in terror, feeling completely helpless. This occurrence was something that began to happen almost every night and only happened to me. Maybe because I was the youngest? Who knows? Throughout my time living in that house, things progressively got worse. I would be lying in my bed reading a book with all of the lights on when I would suddenly begin to hear scratching under my bed. I would peek under and be overcome with the same paralysis. Paralysis? Yes, paralysis. I would feel at night and the feeling of the figure laying on top of me. I would feel it pull me off my bed and onto the floor in the middle of my room and stare into my soul as I kept my eyes closed in sheer terror. My mom would later recount, recount several times in which she would walk into my room and see me laying in the middle of the room on my back. She would ask me what I was doing, to which I would essentially snap out of it and tell her I was fine, too scared to talk about what had happened. I remember if I slept on my chest, it, I would feel a force pick me up two to three feet by my shirt and drop me back onto the bed. This happened so often that to this day I am reluctant to sleep on my chest because I am afraid that I'll be picked up. I'm now a 220 pound adult man, so good luck. But because something in my subconscious mind tells me that it's not a good position to be in. My parents would tell me that I just had nightmares all the time, but they did not realize this nightmare was something I experienced every night. Years later, having endured this every night, I began to see an additional apparition in the home. I began to see a young boy in the long stretch of the narrow hallway that my bedroom was situated in. I would feel him peeking. Need help? I would see him peeking out of different rooms at me while I was in the hallway only to disappear out of sight into rooms um, out of my sight into rooms only to see he had disappeared upon my investigation. I am so sorry. I don't know why I got called up on that sentence like that. That would be the extent of my interaction with him, but I would see him often and only during the day. The apparition did not appear to be malicious, unlike the other figure that tormented me at night. He gave me the impression that he was merely an observer, which was comforting in a way, that this ghost did not want to mess with me unlike the Crypt Keeper entity. Over a decade later, now living in Atlanta, I decided to look up the address on Google Maps to show a friend and noticed that the home was now the site of a home business. Upon seeing that, I decided I would reach out to them out of curiosity to see if they'd had any similar issues. The business would later reply saying that they had never had more electric issues in the home than anywhere they had ever been and strange things occurred frequently. He told me that his wife and kids complained about seeing a little boy wandering around the hallways and were scared to live in the home. The man also described seeing a tall shadow occasionally while he was working in his office, which turned out to be my old bedroom. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> 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 
He told me he always felt like he was being watched and felt generally uneasy in that room in particular. What's peculiar about this is that I had not described any of my experiences prior to him telling me this, yet our stories appeared to line up. I showed my parents the message thread I'd had with this business, and it was then that they confirmed that they believed the house was haunted. They didn't want to say anything that would scare me even more, and tried to bury it under the guise that I was having nightmares. My mother said that she would see the same little boy wandering around the kitchen and the hallway, and she always felt the feeling of being watched when no one was home but her. Neither of them had seen the tall figure, and it seemed it was focused on me. These experiences I had in that home are permanently burned into my mind, and I will never forget that tall, wire-haired figure that would constantly pick me up, lay on me, and pull me around, terrifying me to the core. I do not plan on ever returning to that home, and I pray no one who has the misfortune of living there has the, these experiences that I had on a nightly basis for six fucking years. I've always been curious about deep hypnosis and what it may reveal to me, but I am equally terrified to remember events that my own mind deemed too traumatic to keep in my conscious mind. Thank you for taking the time to read this story. Just no. Just no? <laughs> that bad, huh? Uh, yes. Like, I, I couldn't deal when he said it was loud. Ugh. Ugh. Nasty. Ugh. Oof. Yeah. Thankfully, none of the ghosts that I've encountered have done anything like that. Do, 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 do. On to the next story. to the next story. This was posted by CGNTTW and the name of it is Don't Explore Abandoned Houses. You might not make it back out. This story I've kept hidden inside of me since it happened. Me and the people involved, we never told anyone about this experience. We promised each other we wouldn't tell our parents out of fear of getting in trouble. Also, we were certain that no one would believe us. No, I won't tell you where this is. No one should go to this place. I will never share its location. That's why I won't even tell you what state this happened in. I don't want any of you trying to Google it and find anything about it. I grew up in the Midwest. And... I don't know if anyone outside the Midwest knows this, but there's a lot of haunted old homes, buildings, etc. 
just look at some of those investigation shows like Ghost Hunters and the like. <clears throat> Anyways, the town I lived in was surrounded by my farming land, especially cornfields. Really small town, and you'd always see a lot of abandoned, crumbling apart houses, barns, and other such things. I grew up in a family that absolutely loves horror movies. I learned quick that I had to not be scared of it. And remember, it's just a movie. It's fake. By the time I was 8 or 9 years old, I was desensitized and could handle them. That's what happens when your mom has you watching horror movies since you were a toddler, I guess. Growing up, all my friends knew this about my family. My mother used to let us have a small get-togethers with friends every Halloween, and we would watch scary movies and stuff after coming back from trick-or-treating every year without fail. She'd do some secret prank that terrified all of our friends. I grew up very interested in the paranormal and things that couldn't be explained, partially because of the things I've seen that I can't explain. But I wasn't stupid. My mother taught my sisters and I never to touch a Ouija board. Y'all know how I feel about that. Ugh. Anyways, to never try to communicate with anything that it was too dangerous. <laughs> when I was 16, a couple of my friends invited me to hang out with them, with no context of what they were doing. They picked me up, and we took off, driving into the countryside. We drove for almost an hour, and then suddenly, they pulled off to the side of the road. Confused, I looked around. Why are you stopping? Does someone have to pee? They laughed, unbuckling their seatbelts. No, we're here. I looked around, seeing we were surrounded by cornfields. Uh, I said, staring at them, waiting for them to say they were joking. Don't worry, just get out and follow us. Are you about to kill me and bury me in a cornfield? I half joked. You're crazy, they laughed. No, we wanted you to come somewhere with us. Uh, well, okay, I said warily. They led me through the field that had previously grown corn, but had already been harvested for the season. I could think of a handful of horror movies that warned me not to go walking around in the middle of nowhere. My friends kept leading me along until we reached the tree line. Uh, guys, this, this isn't funny. Where are we going? Don't worry. It should be right up here. They pointed a few hundred feet away. Surrounded by overgrown grass and trees lay a decrepit old farmhouse. What the hell? I said to them. And they smiled eagerly. We heard that this house is like super haunted. And like we know that you aren't scared of horror movies and creepy stuff. So we thought that you wouldn't be scared to go with us. Go in with us. You expect me to go in there? That place looks like it'll fall down if you breathe on it. You're fucking crazy. I'm not gonna die in the middle of fucking nowhere in a haunted fucking barn. You're nuts. Take me home or I'm gonna call my dad. Aw, oh, come on, please. Everyone else is too chicken to go in. Yeah. I thought you were known for not being scared of stuff. Are you scared to go in? That thing is a damn safety hazard. It's not stable. 
What if we step in and fall through the fucking floor or something? I am not dying today. They whined, begging me to go in with them. You guys, it seriously doesn't look safe to walk in there. It's so old and worn down, we could get injured, and there's no one around to help us if we get trapped in there. Okay, so what if we just, like, open the door and look in? Not go in? Would that be okay? You're not going to go inside? We'll just peek inside. I sighed. Five minutes, and then I'm going back to the car, with or without you, and I will wait there and call my dad if I have to. Yeah, yeah, just five minutes. Begrudgingly, I walk with him towards the house. There's a heavy feeling in my chest. I may be able to handle horror movies, but that's just a video on TV, and it's not real. They excitedly pulled on the front door, which was shaky and unstable. I stood back behind them, having no interest in looking inside this place. Okay, just peek inside for a few minutes, and then we're leaving. Don't! Before I could even finish my sentence, they ran inside. Are you fucking kidding me? Get the fuck out of there! It's not safe! Just when I was about to take a step towards the door, it felt like the air was punched out of me. Something wasn't right. They giggled, walking around on the first floor as the floorboards creaked beneath them. If you guys, I gasped out, get out of there. This, this doesn't feel right. Something isn't right about this place. I stood at the doorway, holding my head against the hand against the old worn out door for balance so I wouldn't fall over. I looked around in the darkness inside. Only small streams of sunlight leaked through the broken, worn-out panels, nailed to what used to be a window, and the sunlight pouring through the door, open doorway I was standing in. They had disappeared from my sight, their voices sounding no more distant. I tried looking around, and I saw that there was a doorway with an open door. No way am I going inside this house. Guys, I called out again. Please, get out. It's not safe in there. I heard their distant voices talking about something that I couldn't make out. Suddenly, there was this horrible smell. The smell was so strong and so awful that my eyes started to water and I had to cover my nose. It smelled like rotten, decaying meat sitting out in the hot sun. I looked around the inside of this old house. From what I could see in the doorway. A lot of it was bare, only the furniture inside was a few old broken apart wooden chairs. The place had become a bit overgrown, reclaimed by nature. There was broken wood, glass, and other things scattered around. There was a staircase in the far corner of the back of the house. I could still hear my friends talking from the other room. Guys, come on, get out of this damn house. I am not coming in after you. All of a sudden, it got quiet. And I heard the door to the room they were in slam shut. Guys, what are you doing? This isn't funny. I'm not going inside. I heard a sound coming from up above, and I stepped back away from the house. I heard my friends scream suddenly and call my name for help. I stood frozen, watching. 
waiting to see my friends run out laughing and telling me they were pranking me. As I stood there peering in, I saw something hiding in the darkness at the top of the staircase. I backed up, getting further from the house. No, 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 I said, watching the dark figure descend down the staircase ever so slowly. I could hear the unstable staircase creaking and groaning with every step it took. Even with daylight shining around me, it was so dark inside this house that I couldn't see what it was. The figure just, it was a shadow, but I knew one thing, whatever it was, I did not want it coming near me. I screamed out to my friend's names, trying to warn them, get out of the house, something's in there. Their screams hadn't stopped. Suddenly, I heard the sound of wood creaking, and I couldn't hear my friends screaming anymore. Before I could panic, my friends ran at me from the side of the house. How did they get out? They were trying to catch their breath when they looked inside the open door. The shadow figure was standing at the bottom of the steps now, staring at the three of us. What the fuck is that? One of them screamed, and suddenly, we heard this disgusting guttural sound. I sprang into action, slamming the door. Nope, I said, taking off running in the direction of the road. Thank God that the season was done and the fields were cleared. If I had had to run through a full cornfield to escape that shadow thing, mm, mm -mm. we made it to the car and climbed inside, locking the doors immediately. We were all breathing heavily and trying to catch our breath. My friend who was driving the car took off, racing down the road. Once we had gotten far enough away, I looked at them. There was blood on their clothes. First off, why the fuck did you guys not listen to me and just run in there? Are you fucking crazy? Secondly, why is there blood on you? We fucked up, okay? We should have listened to you. What the fuck happened up there? Why did you shut the door? We didn't shut it. It shut by itself. What about the blood? They were both shaking. We... We were looking around the room, and there was these weird symbols and drawings all over the wall. Then we heard something above us, and it sounded like someone was up there moving around. So, we were about to leave the room and come back out to you, and the door slammed in our faces. We tried opening it, but it wouldn't open. While we were pushing on it, something was dripping from the ceiling. The ceiling was leaking fucking blood. That's when we started screaming, and I stared at them in shock. The door wouldn't open, but there was an old window boarded up, so I grabbed some of the broken pieces of wood around to break it, and we crawled out. I told you not to go in there, was all I could get out. My friend in the passenger seat looked back at me. What was that thing? I didn't know what to say to them. I had no idea what it was. I had no idea what they saw in that room. This, this is why you don't go into creepy old disgusting fucking buildings for fun, you assholes. I screamed at them, tears pouring down my face. We're sorry, we just thought it was some old building. We didn't think anything would happen. That's how all the fucking horror movies start out, you idiots. I took a deep breath and closed my eyes before exploding again. Don't you ever 
trying to bring me to some abandoned creepy place in the middle of goddamn nowhere in the woods ever again. After a while of driving in silence, my friend who was driving the car spoke up in a quiet voice. Hey, you know what's really weird? We looked at him, waiting for what he was about to say. Those drawings on the wall were still wet. This story was posted by user JWR535 on Reddit. Ghosts are real. I know most of us believe in ghosts. The question is, have you seen one? For years, I've watched ghost shows like Ghost Adventures, but I never thought I'd see one. I've always just explained away bumps in the night. But here's two stories that, to me, still send shivers down my spine. Back in 2013, I had just turned 19. I lived in a super small town in Alberta, Canada. That year, the river surrounding the town flooded. Homes were lost as well as lives in surrounding communities. I believe this is what made the energy in these homes stronger. At the time, I was living with my boyfriend's family in a very old home, estimated about 112 years old at the time. It was just a small, typical farmhouse moved into town from an unknown farm in Alberta. It was a two-bedroom, one-bath with a new add-on basement with two other bedrooms. Picture an old farmhouse, the original hardwood floors, white crown moldings, very tight hallways, and small rooms. Me and my boyfriend's room was in the add-on basement. It was always freezing and very, very dark. Now before I moved in with his mom... Oopsie doopsie! Now before I moved in, his mom used to witness a dark figure standing outside the house just staring in through the windows at night. Whatever this thing was, would bang on the doors and exterior walls. Now, when anyone would move in, that figure would then come in the house too. New neighbors moved in next door, and things started getting strange. Every day, when someone would get home from work, things would be moved around and rummaged through, but nothing would be taken, so we assumed our neighbors were coming into our house. One day, my boyfriend and I got home before anyone else, and like normal, things were moved around. So we cleansed everything else and went downstairs to relax just before bed. Hey, my phone just died. Please plug this in. Okay. My charger's laying on the floor. Sorry, y'all. The black and white. So we cleanse everything else and went downstairs to relax before bed. His family had three dogs at the time and you could hear them walking around upstairs. 
We finally get ready for bed and lay down, and all of a sudden we hear someone run around upstairs. Not the dogs walking around, but a person stomping. But none of the dogs were barking or getting upset. No one else was going to be home till 11 p.m. or later. We call his mom, asking if she had gotten home. The answer was no. So my boyfriend jumps out of bed, grabs a shotgun, thinking somebody had broken into the house. He sweeps the room, house room to room, and nothing. No one but the dogs and us were there. As soon as we get back to lay down after finding out no one was there, whatever had walked through the house before runs out. One day, I was staying at my boyfriend's sister's house for the night. This home she owns is very haunted. Her daughters talk to a person named OG. Scream and yell that this thing is scaring them. Their motion censored toys go off all the time and so on. Anyways, this night, I was just falling asleep on the couch and out of the corner of my eye, something keeps moving in the kitchen next to the living room. All of a sudden, in the middle of the night, I wake up with a chill running down my spine. I go to the kitchen to grab a glass of water. As I walk into the kitchen, the overhead light flicks on. And in turn, I turn to tell the kids that it's late and time for bed. But instead, I see a woman in a white dress. Her body was deformed. Her long, dark hair was covering her face. Thank the girl from the grudge. Then, as soon as the light flicked on, and then goes back off, she's gone. This house is, this house is built next to an old graveyard. This house is built next to an old unmarked graveyard. All of the family has seen this woman walk, woman walking through the house and the yard. I think it's evil as the kids are scared of it and say she does mean things to them and lives on the ceiling. Needless to say, those homes scare me and everyone who lives in them. Are ghosts real? Well now, I know they are. This story was posted by user Richard Saxon on the Let's Sleep podcast forum. There was a reason why my neighbor's Halloween decorations always looked so realistic. I absolutely used to love Halloween, not only dressing up as my favorite character, making horror-themed food, or putting up decorations. No, I loved the atmosphere that filled our neighborhood as it changed from its boring demeanor into something horrifying and exciting. My neighbor and best friend Mark was an even bigger fanatic than myself. Each year, he'd try to make the best costume or scariest decoration, but despite our efforts 
at becoming the Halloween kings, we could never match up to Mr. Black. Mr. Black was a man of advancing age. He'd been widowed about a decade earlier, left behind by a vicious, evil wife that treated the entire neighborhood like crap. The only thing she ever loved was Halloween, and she'd make damn sure all of the attention was directed at herself each year on October 31st. When she died, I felt almost relieved for the poor old man. Still, for some reason beyond my comprehension, he decided to keep his abusive wife's tradition alive. Each year, he'd come up with the most gruesome display of nightmare-inducing decoration. His entire house would be transformed into one of absolute mind-bending horror. He'd build a pool of blood in his garden, or he'd cover the whole house in cobwebs, unleashing a horde of spiders just to prove that he could. It was as beautiful as it was disgusting. How he constantly managed to outdo himself brought great joy to the rest of my neighborhood. Unfortunately, Mark couldn't stand it. He's a damn attention seeker. Always has to be in the spotlight every fucking Halloween. For years, Mark hadn't tried to outdo Mr. Black. He'd spent thousands of dollars in preparation, planning for months ahead of time, only to be blown out of the water by Mr. Black. What was even weirder was that each time, it would only take Mr. Black a day to set everything up which enraged Mark beyond anything else in life. In 2017, Mark even resorted to renting animatronics that resembled crawling corpses. He littered his yard with the things, letting them scream and pull themselves around. He was so confident that year. And even as the 30th of October rolled around, Mr. Black still hadn't put up any decorations. When we finally went to work the next day, on Halloween itself, Mark was beyond himself in joy. He'd finally done it, and he wouldn't shut up about it, and it wasn't until we got home later that day before we saw the horrors taking place in Mr. Black's front yard. In the span of eight hours, he turned it into a literal graveyard. Muffled screams were coming up from the ground with bells that were attached to strings leading into buried coffins. They rang as people gathered around in awe at the sight. Those brave enough to traverse his yard were invited inside for a tour. Mark and I joined and quickly realized that Mark's pathetic animatronics were nothing in comparison because inside the living room, Mr. Black had created a makeshift morgue full-on with mortuary refrigerators that rumbled around as if people were trapped inside. Mark was pissed. He couldn't believe it, and to be fair, neither could I. He swore then that he'd figure out how the hell Mr. Black managed to pull off all these incredible, incredible feats each and every year at such an advancing age and without any help. How does he do it? Have you ever seen any trucks or workmen outside his house? Mark asked, 
I chuckled. <laughs> nah, but come on. He's retired. He probably gets it done while we're at work. Still, Mark didn't believe it. The guy's up to something. Next year, I'm going to stay home and figure out what it is. A year passed, and Mark actually remained true to his word. On, On the 31st of October, 2018, he called in sick to work. I sighed once I found out, surprised at how seriously he was taking this. Then, at around noon, I got a frantic and excited message from Mark. I knew it. I freaking knew it. You won't believe what I just found. Mr. Black is a depraved monster. I'm going to call the... The voice message was cut short, so I tried to call back. No response. After the fifth or so missed call, I started to get worried. There was absolutely no way Mark would have given me any peace if he'd found some, tr truly found something. But no matter how many times I tried to call him, I just got a busy signal. By the end of the workday, I was truly scared for him. Mark was never that silent. I needed to figure out what was going on. As soon as I returned home, I went over to Mark's place, where I proceeded to hammer on his door. His wife was the, un was the one to answer, and she, too, seemed worried. Elise, is Mark here? She frowned. He went out to run some errands a few hours ago, but I haven't heard from him since. I thought maybe his phone died, but he should have been back by now. Mark hadn't told her about his plan to investigate Mr. Black mostly because she would have been pissed, but I had to come clean. If he was truly missing, we needed to call the police. While Elise explained the situation to the cops, I went over to talk to Mr. Black myself. It was already getting late. Both children and adults had gathered in front of his house, ready for the yearly tour of horror. This year, his yard had been turned into a tall field of grass. It was so dense that we could hardly see his front door. All we could see amongst the field were makeshift scarecrows. Mr. Black hadn't let anything go to waste. As we entered his yard, the air filled with the stench of rotting flesh. It wasn't unusual for him to utilize all five senses, but this was extreme. Mr. Black do you have a moment? I asked. In a minute, old friend, after the tour. He just shouted back as he led people inside of his home. I remained outside, disturbed by the odd smell. I moved some of the grass apart to inspect the scarecrows. They were horrifying, covered in old rags with bits and pieces of skin visible through the holes. They didn't even look like props. After a moment of hesitation, I reached out to pull off the scarecrow's mask. What I saw sent me falling to the ground in shock. That scarecrow wasn't a prop, nor a doll. It was an actual corpse. Oh, God, was all I managed to get out as I stared at the decomposing body. Once I partially regained my senses, I started checking the other scarecrows. Most of them were beyond rotten, skeletal corpses that had perished long ago. 
but once I reached the last one, I immediately recognized the clothes. With a trembling hand, I reached to take off the mask. It was Mark. His throat had been slit and he'd been turned into a flesh-filled scarecrow. I stood before the body of my former best friend in shock. All these years, Mr. Black had created what seemed like impossibly real decorations. It had all been real. The blood, the cadavers, the screaming. We'd all been oblivious to it. The police arrived shortly after, alerted by Mark's wife. They quickly stormed the house and escorted all the guests outside, but Mr. Black himself was gone, and he was never seen again. I don't celebrate Halloween anymore, nor does anyone else in my neighborhood. For us, the 31st of October is just a painful memory of what we let happen under our noses. But if you see a new neighbor with decorations that seem just a tad too realistic, stay away from them, because it might be Mr. Black. Um, this was posted in the No Sleep Reddit as well. It was posted by Zacharias Frost. 11 Rules for Dipshits who bought a haunted house. Well, you really screwed up this time, didn't you? You found a gnarly deal on a beautiful home that almost seemed too good to be true, and you jumped at it. And now that you're all moved in, you've started to notice some anomalies. You know the type. The spooky-dooky anomalies of the supernatural persuasion. Bumps in the night. Doors opening and closing by themselves, auditory hallucinations of voices and whispers. It's more common than you may think, but not everyone realizes the danger. These signs could be proof that some forsaken lost souls inhabit your property. Maybe the previous grandmother self-immolated herself in the attic. Maybe dear old dad went suddenly insane and repainted the house with the blood of his children. Or mom tried seducing demons in the basement. If this sounds even vaguely familiar to you, and you are looking to get to the good old internet to get help, then you've come to the right place. You see, I have this friend, well, had this friend, named Nathan. A couple months back, Nathan found a house for sale in southern Georgia. It was nestled along a remote stretch of woods just outside Waycross. It was a historical area, an old colonial-style home, just under 5,000 square feet, six beds, six baths, with white picket fences on a dozen acres. The quintessential American dream house, by all accounts. The price was unbelievably low, but after Nathan contacted the real estate agent, he found out that the price he had seen was indeed the price being asked. For most people, I imagine, this would have raised some pretty big red flags, but Nathan was an idiot. The confident type 
of idiots that believed machismo is substantial for conquering all of life's obstacles. I know it's not nice to spill, speak ill of the dead like that, spoiler alert, but I'm just trying to give an accurate portrayal of the kind of person Nathan was. You know, the alpha male that hits on your girlfriend, lives at the gym, and probably spanks his meat to his own selfies. For people like Nathan, friend is really just another word for ego reinforcer. He was cocky and often let pride get the better of him. His wife, Janelle, was actually my ex-girlfriend from a while back. Bit of a skank, but practically a supermodel. They had two kids, Natalie and Mason, who were both spoiled brats. Again, I'm just trying to give an honest perspective of them in hopes that we may all learn something from what happened. You see, what happened to Nathan, which I'll get into later, was something which I believe could have been easily avoided if only he'd followed a few simple instructions. After the funeral, I got to pondering on the matter and realized that what we all really need is a set of rules to follow. If you believe your house is haunted, let's begin. Rule number one. When looking to purchase or rent a house, always ask for the history. Odds are, if a house is being offered for way below market value, there's a damn good reason for it being that way. Nathan didn't do this and thought that the undermarket price was just simply the universe handing him something he didn't really earn, as it often seemed to do. Nathan jumped at the offer, and within a few weeks, he and his family were approved to begin moving in. I volunteered to help them move in, and I'll be honest, the house was absolutely gorgeous. Things were great for them at first, but Nathan soon started noticing some odd occurrences. It started with knocking sound that seemed to reverberate over the whole home at odd hours. He said he could never seem to pinpoint where it was coming from, and it never seemed to originate from the same place twice. Eventually, he just chalked it up to the old house settling, settling, settling. But that was just the beginning. Rule number two. Trust your gut. Your home is the last place you should feel uncomfortable. If you get that inkling of discomfort in the back of your mind that never seems to fully dissipate, Pay attention to it. It's probably your subconscious trying to warn you. Nathan tried ignoring these sounds, told his wife that it was just normal or the wind, and comforted his children when they felt scared. He had two dogs, Rusty and Sailor, both of them black labs, and both of them seemed to become very anxious after moving in. Nathan did his best to get medication to help the dogs relax, but it didn't seem to help much. That brings us to rule number three. Along with your gut, you should also trust your pets. 
Animals have instincts far greater than humans. It's been said that man is the only creature who will sense danger and still wander into it. Animals have a sense for the supernatural, dogs and cats in particular. If you find them growling at what appears to be nothing, or constantly staring into a specific area of your house, then pay attention to that. Odds are they can see something that you can't. Nathan told me that Rusty, the older of the two dogs, would pace the hall each night for hours. He said it was like he was standing guard over something. On more than one occasion, Rusty randomly blurted into a ferocious bout of snarling and barking, and Nathan would come out into the hall but never found anything. He grew concerned for Rusty and took him to the vet, but the vet confirmed that he was in good health. Meanwhile, Sailor, the younger dog, slept at the side of Mason's bed each and every night. The poor boy soon developed crippling nightmares that would seem to torment him relentlessly, and Sailor seemed to sense it. Each time Mason would wake up, wake up screaming, Sailor would be there to try and comfort him. And that just segues perfectly into our next rule. Rule number four. Beware of nightmares. Young children are similar to animals in that they can sense In the way that they seem to perceive things that adults cannot. This one can be difficult because there are many root causes of nightmares, which things like allergy and depression and other mental illnesses. The telltale sign is whether your child suddenly develops them soon after entering a new home. Poor Mason had absolutely horrific dreams and night after night he would be tormented by them. He often spoke of the blurry man that came to him while he slept and whispered terrible things. He even said that sometimes he would see the blurry man while he was awake, but never more than a quick glimpse, and always in the shadows or outside in the woods. Nathan and his wife worried that perhaps Mason was schizophrenic, but multiple doctors confirmed this was not the case. They tried giving Mason sleeping pills, various supplements, and burnt incense to help him sleep more peacefully, and it worked for a while, until Natalie started having them too. Rule number five. Try to determine what kind of spirit you're dealing with. If you see flashes of a small child running through the halls at night, or orbs spiraling in the air, then odds are your ethereal neighbors are rather benign. Some people even discover they enjoy life with a spectral roommate and find their antics to be rather interesting. Most believe that spirits who pass away before completing what their soul desired will become stuck in a sort of purgatory. Many are scared, confused, and angry, but some, primarily young children, seem to be almost jubilant at times. Most of these are unnerving, but altogether harmless. But then, there's other spirits. Rule number six. 
If you or any member of your family develops inexplicable bruises, cuts, or lesions, then do not take them lightly. This is, it should be a massive, massive red flag, and it is a very bad sign. If you feel as though you're being attacked as you sleep and wake up with unexplained scratches or wounds, then just get the hell out of the house, honestly. I'm a malevolent spirit capable of inflicting physical wounds is not something to be trifled with. Odds are it's a demon, and honestly, in the best case scenario... Oh, that is the best case scenario. Yeah, it's really bad when demons are considered best case scenario. There are other non-Abrahamic related entities that could be responsible as well. They are very rare, rare, but if encountered, well, I'm afraid even my handy set of rules won't be enough to stop them. Natalie and Mason suffered multiple scratches, wounds, even a few bruises that almost looked like bite marks. Nathan's wife, Janelle, was, off, was also subjected to these attacks. The children's teachers at school began to notice and became quite worried for their safety. Obviously, their first not thought was not paranormal, but rather that the children were being abused at home. Only when social services threatened to remove the children from his custody did Nathan finally agree to move them out of the house. Janelle and the kids moved in with her mother a couple hours away, and Nathan was left all alone with the dogs. Rule number seven. Let people know what is going on. Yes, I know the thought of admitting to a close friend that you believe that your house is haunted may be a daunted one. But usually, it's better than the alternatives. The modern world rarely takes these claims seriously. We put ghosts in movies and video games, but when someone actually claims to see one, we aren't so quick to believe them. Technology and science have led us to where we believe we are safe. That is our folly, but it is also a topic for a different day. Yet another rule that Nathan did not abide by. The worse things got for him and his family, the more secluded he became. On numerous occasions, he even phoned the police, saying that he believed that someone had broken in, but they never found evidence of it. Eventually, they even put him on a blacklist and warned that any further contact would result in legal trouble. Rather than tell his parents, or brother, or any of his friends what was going on, he retreated into himself. He became fidgety and paranoid, at times refusing to return phone calls and texts from his loved ones. He just broke contact and things only got worse. Rule number eight and nine sort of belong in the same category, although one is a little more extreme than the other. Rule number eight. If you suspect that something is up, it doesn't hurt to perform a cleansing. Like I said earlier, the modern world has little time to entertain the notion of ghosts or the supernatural, but that shouldn't ward you off 
If you're unsure about whether your home is being haunted or not, then a routine cleansing can do wonders for you. I'm willing to bet there are mediums and priests in your town that can get the job done. Even witches can help. But if you can't find anyone local, you can always go online and find the instructions for yourself. It's not as effective that way, but it's better than nothing. Rule number nine. If you're really feeling as though you are in danger, get someone to perform an exorcism. It's the step that no one wants to take, but desperate times call for desperate measures. Priests and spiritual leaders are your go-to for these kinds of things, even if you yourself are not religious. These people honestly do know how to help. There's some evidence that Nathan was attempting to do this, but it's unknown why exactly it didn't work out. Maybe he second-guessed himself and thought he could handle it, or maybe his ego took control once again. Nathan had been collecting evidence for a while and had amassed quite a stash of clues. He had audio recordings with relayed banging on the walls and footsteps in the attic. He took multiple videos, but none of them really showed anything except for the last one. But by that point, it was too late. In his journal, he also wrote that he experienced items in the house levitating on multiple occasions. But sadly, he had no record proof of this. Rule number nine is the big one. Whatever you do, don't try to antagonize the spirit. This should really go without saying, but angrily challenging the spirit or daring it to manifest is just a really fucking bad idea. But, as you may have guessed, Nathan and his unlimited stream of testosterone decided to do just that. He got really drunk one night and began ruminating on all that had been happening. Nathan was always a skeptic, but even he couldn't ignore the psychological impact on his family, whether it was imagined or not. He realized his relationship with his wife and children were being heavily strained, and his new house had become a place of hostility, and this made Nathan really angry. So Nathan stood up and shouted at the empty house for the spirit to come forth and face him. He was met only with silence. So he shouted again. Never once did the spirits answer his call. After a few more verbose challenges, he broke into a bout of laughter, probably believing himself to look ridiculous. Apparently, not everyone who was watching felt the same, though. Nathan managed to stumble into Ben not long after, and was out cold within a couple minutes. Nathan had kept a security camera in his room in hopes of capturing proof, and that night, he found something. At around 2.13 a.m., Nathan is seen beginning to stir in his sleep in the security video. He grunts and speaks briefly, but the words were unintelligible. Suddenly, his eyes sprung wide open in the bed and began glancing around the room. 
Nathan appeared to be struggling, but his body didn't move. It was like he was suffering from an episode of sleep paralysis which left him temporarily paralyzed. His eyes continued to dart rapidly around the room, and then something happened that no one who saw the video could explain. The bedroom door rolled up, but the darkness of the hallway was all-consuming. Nathan's chest began frantically pumping up and down his wide, stretched eyes stretched wide open. Something was then seen moving in the hall. It could have been chalked up to a trick of the light at first, but then a hand was seen reaching through. It was gnarled and spindly, like the wretched malformed appendage of some abyssal denizen. The figure slowly sauntered through the doorway, its tall, dark silhouette nearly grazing the top of the doorframe. It had no definite features, appearing only as a hooded, humanoid individual. No eyes or face, just a shadow corporalized from Nathan's deepest nightmares. Poor Nathan was heard mumbling and whimpering frantically, but in his paralyzed state he was unable to fight back or flee. He could do nothing but watch in absolute horror as the thing approached him. It stopped at the foot of his bed and just stared at him for about a minute. Nathan began to hyperventilate and didn't seem to be able to blink once during the ordeal. The thing finally moved closer. It leaned down only a couple inches away from his face and appeared to be whispering something. It was too quiet for the mic on the camera to pick up, but needless to say, it did not make Nathan feel any better about the situation. Suddenly, the thing lashed out with its twisted hands, constricting like pythons around Nathan's throat. In his paralyzed state, he couldn't even struggle against the shrouded attacker. Within a minute, Nathan's chest stopped moving, and his eyes fell still. The entity retracted its hands and just stared at him for a minute. Then... As if taunting those who would see the footage, it looked directly into the camera. It whispered something again, but again it was too quiet to discern what it was. Then, as quickly as it had appeared, it waltzed out of the room and back into the darkness. Nathan was found by his wife, Janelle, a few days later, and she called the police. After an autopsy, Nathan was determined to have died via strangulation, much as what was shown in the video. The cops scoured the premises and found footsteps from the intruder. However, the footsteps were soon matched to a pair of Nathan's own boots. The police, of course, were not so quick to believe that Nathan had simply been killed by supernatural forces. They conducted interviews with neighbors and friends and family members, but none of them seemed capable or motivated enough to have done it. There were no signs of breaking and entering, and nothing had been stolen from the home. 
They came to me and conducted an interview as well. But, of course, that was a futile effort. I mean, the fact that I was Janelle's ex-girlfriend was one reason to suspect me, but I quickly dissuaded their accusations. Nathan was my friend, despite him not being a really good friend. What kind of friend bones your girlfriend behind your back, anyway? I'm not bitter about it, though. At least, not as far as the police are concerned. My alibis were solid, and that's good enough for them. This brings us to rule number 11. Make sure you exhaust all other options before coming to the conclusion that your house is in fact haunted. If Nathan had taken more time to investigate his home and himself more thoroughly, then maybe he'd still be alive today. Maybe he wouldn't have found the many wireless speakers hidden in the attic to play sounds of knocking. Maybe he would have found the patches in his of patches in his air ducts that leaked mild dosages of hallucinogenic drugs into his home. Maybe he would have detected that the dog whistle alarm that caused his dogs to react strangely. If he had bothered to check himself, he may have found trace amounts of succimethonium, a paralyzing toxin that once ingested will leave the person immobile yet conscious to all pain. It would have been difficult to find, as even coroners do not normally test for the substance unless specifically request it. No matter how you really slice it, this entire ordeal really comes back to Nathan himself. If only he had been a better person and not continu continuously oh. demeaned his peers at every turn. If only he hadn't been so stubborn and proud. If only he hadn't gone behind my back and boned my ex-girlfriend, thus ruining our future and sending me into the spiraling depths of a crippling depression, then maybe I would have helped him. So, you may be wondering, is this my confession? No, of course not. This is only my list of suggestions and rules for how things may have turned out differently for Nathan and his family. These are all hypothetical explanations and are in no way to be considered incriminating evidence to be used in the court against me or anyone else for that matter. Besides, if this was really a confession, then it would make you the person who just read it. An accessory to murder and we certainly wouldn't want that I hope you understand and I do hope that we can trust each other in this regard after all I have really good software for tracing IPs and reddit makes it incredibly easy to access them we wouldn't want your house to suddenly become haunted, would we?
<laughs> I fucking love that one. Why was that in the wholesome area? I don't know why it was tagged wholesome, but I love it. <laughs> Alright, everybody. Thanks for joining us again and listening to these scary stories. Um, I plan on starting to post regularly again. Uh, my psychiatrist actually ordered that, so, yeah. Not that I don't love reading stories for you guys. I mean, I love it so much. Um, do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Happy Halloween, everybody. Also, to end this, I've done a cover, a, um, crap, what's it called when you sing acapella cover <laughs> of Come Little Children from Hocus Pocus. Um... Thanks for your continued support. Like I said before, listener, uh, listener help, I guess you would call it, is available on anchor.fm slash let's get creepy podcast. Um, also, I will include the link to the Amazon wish list for our podcast. I love you guys. Stay creepy. Come Now, dear.